Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running freemanfurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Maker Mom podcast. This week's guest is Desiree of Harvester Woodworks. Uh, Desiree has been following along with the Maker Mom podcast for quite some time now, and I thought it would be fantastic to have her on to learn about her journey into making and being the mom of two. Now, uh, at the start of this episode, it was my bad. I started interviewing Desiree and I forgot to hit the record button. So we're going to kind of jump into what seems like the middle of a conversation, but don't worry, we're not. Uh, so we're starting with Desiree's talking about uh, her kids going on a trip to Home Depot with her, like she used to love going on trips to Home Depot with her dad. So here we go. Here is Desiree with Harvester Woodworks. I think to her, it's more because she likes to ride on the carts, <laughs> um, like the flatbed carts that they specifically say, don't put your kids on. She loves those. <clears throat> um, my son used to love it. He's 12. And um, he now kind of use it as like another trip. So he's starting to lose the little kid excitement. Um, but my dad is really into hand carving. And so my son started getting into woodworking and then immediately lost interest and moved into hand carving. So he does everything hand carving with my dad. They go to classes at Woodcraft and it's like their special little man time, <laughs> but he loves it. And you know, it's fine. It's a good hobby for him to have. So my yeah. daughter, she likes being in the shop. She's just not quite there yet. She's still too little. Mm-hmm. Um, so your oldest is 12. How old's your youngest? She's two. So they are um, four days shy of being exactly 10 years apart. Oh, so wow. her, her birthday is on the 1st of May of 2017. His is the 5th of May of 2007. So there's a, there's a giant gap and um, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. They love each other. They love playing with each other. But there's a lot of days where uh, I feel like they're the same age. So it's, it's nice. You know, my 12 year old's pretty, um, he's like 12 going on 40. So he's pretty grown up, but um, he definitely has his, his little moments. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they have those little moments forever. Yeah. I've learned. Yes, you can have that. I've learned that uh, it actually doesn't change. It just becomes more infrequent. And um, he's kind of going through that awkward phase of, you know, braces and pimples. And he's, he's just sort of like, I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know where I'm at yet as far as who I am and what I'm doing. And he knows what he likes and he has a lot of friends. And he's definitely the kind of kid, like all of the friends kind of flock to him. So he's definitely not hurting for attention, but he, 
he gets really upset when he can't go hang out with his friends. <laughs> <laughs> Are those uh, the only two you have or do you have any other? Yes. Kiddos? Yeah, okay. just the two, just the two. Um, they're great. I love them, but I, I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have, I have so many nieces and nephews to know that I think two is okay. Yeah, I agree. Two is a good number. That's how many I have as well. Hello friends. Okay, jumping in real quick here again. Um, again, because I forgot to hit record at the uh, start of the episode. So here um, I asked Desiree to speak a little bit more about um, where she grew up and uh, a little bit more about her childhood. So here she is sharing that information. Okay. Um, so I grew up here in Idaho. Uh, I live in Boise now in the southwest corner and um, grew up about 25 minutes south of here in Cuna. It's a tiny little, used to be a farm town. <laughs> now it's like houses beyond belief. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, we moved here when I was about seven. Um, we lived in Eastern Idaho a little bit before that. And then up in Montana, uh, my dad was in the Air Force. And um, then he got out of the Air Force and in eastern Idaho, he, we moved there because my cousins lived there. Um, and he uh, got a job as a firefighter and then moved here, got a job as a firefighter and then a police officer. Um, and then he just recently retired. I think it's been about a year and a half now that he retired um, and moved up to the mountains. So <laughs> we get to go up to the mountains and see them all the time and play. And we got crap tons of snow right now. So that's been, that's been pretty fun. But um, yeah, so that's, that was a lot of my childhood was uh, location wise in this area. And then, um, you know, getting into woodworking, that was totally my dad. <laughs> uh, we, he did a lot of stuff, a lot of projects, a lot of tinkering, a lot of everything. Um, his, uh, the, lost my train of thought. Um, a lot of our presents growing up, we didn't really have a ton of money, so he made them. Um, he made a, a baby baby doll crib for myself and my sister and um, made us a little kitchen, a little fridge and an oven and a sink. <laughs> so he did a lot of tinkering, a lot of really cool things um, that as a kid, you know, is like amazing. As an adult, you look at it and think, wow, that was pretty inventive. Just the, the things that he did with the little kitchen, how he made it so, um, you know, so real. The, the sink was made out of like a little tin square pan, like a brownie pan. And, um, you know, he made the knobs for the sink and, and uh, he just made it very fun for us as kids. Like I didn't realize that we didn't have a lot of money until I was older, probably 13. Um, so it was kind of cool what my parents did for us that, you know, we just didn't, we didn't really have, um, that connection yet that there wasn't a lot of money. So they did a really good job of making sure that we had everything we needed and then everything else, you know, if there was something we wanted and they couldn't afford it, then, then my dad made it. And, uh, you know, I think part of that is what's sort of helped me be the maker that I am now is there's a lot of things that I want that I see and go, you know what? I could probably make that. I, I bet I could easily do that. And, and I've done that with a ton of things, just so much because, you know, you just, 
appreciate it more when you make it and you know it's it's fun it's fun to figure it out so that was that was a lot of my childhood growing up my dad was pretty amazing um definitely an inspiration to woodworking we used to go and um his little his basement workshop <laughs> we would go and build all sorts of projects and um you know one of the things that i loved is my dad uh i i still kind of have had this um going with my kids now but he used to give me a hammer and a nail and just let me figure it out so it was never like oh crap they're gonna hurt themselves it was just like well if you bang your finger you won't do that the second time and um there was a lot of banged fingers and you know especially with wood i used to get splinters all the time and i still to this day i have tweezers in my shop i hate splinters they don't stay longer than a few seconds i just don't tolerate it i hate them so much and my dad was, he was just like that. He hated them. He had to stop everything and take them out right away. And so, um, you know, it was, it was fun. We kind of had that, that free range type of thing, um, where we just got to figure it out for ourselves. And, you know, obviously he was showing us how to do it. And, you know, there was always that like rite of passage, um, with us kids when we got to use the chainsaw for the first time and, you know, so there's all sorts of little things that my dad, I, I have no idea if my mom felt like that was not okay because <laughs> either she didn't voice it to me or um, when she did voice it, you know, it was pretty much like, well, you know, just be careful and make sure nobody gets hurt. And, you know, so I've adopted a lot of that of like, unless it's a pretty seriously dangerous situation, you know, they'll figure it out. Just let them, let them go nuts. And so that's, that's a, I think that's a, a big reason why I am the way that I am now is, is just our, my parents, you know, things were a lot different and I, I lived the whole come home when the streetlights turn on type of life. And so I think that made a huge difference. And, uh, I think I had a good, had a good life growing up. It, you know, obviously I had moments where I didn't want to be at home anymore and I hated my parents, but you know, they're, they were good parents and they've been excellent grandparents. They spoil the crap out of my kids. So <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a very lucky person. Uh, how many siblings do you have? I have four or uh, no, there are four of us. I have three. So I have two older brothers and an older sister. All right. So you're the uh, youngest in the pecking order, huh? Yes. <laughs> I got everybody's hand-me-downs and I hated it for the longest time, but you know, right of passage. <laughs> That's right. What did, uh, what happened post high school timeframe? Um, so I didn't graduate high school. Actually, I, uh, got through my sophomore year. I had a lot of issues where, um, for whatever reason, all of my best friends that I grew up with since first grade just decided to not hang out with me anymore. And, um, it was pretty devastating. So I tried really hard to get over it and I couldn't. So I transferred to a different school um, come to find out their curriculum was a lot different than CUNA. And so I was almost a full grade behind because of how the curriculum went. Yeah. And uh, so I had to take zero hour classes. Um, I played sports my entire life. I played soccer and did uh, track once I got into junior high. And um, when I went to that other school, I tried out for the soccer team 
and um, I didn't make it because technically I tried out too late. And so it was really devastating for me. That was the first time I'd never been able to play a sport before. And, you know, I was the kind of person I was playing that sport year round, indoor soccer and spring and fall and playing soccer with my friends. And so that was, that was also pretty devastating. And um, at the end of my sophomore year, I ended up dropping out and getting my GED because to go back to the other school, I would have been behind as well. Wasn't going to graduate with any of my friends and it just ended up being too much. Um, and I know my parents were definitely not okay with that. Um, but they also recognized the fact that if I stayed in school, I wasn't going to do anything. I wasn't going to try. I was just going to give up. So I got my GED. Um, I moved out. So at the time my brother was going to, um, paramedic school at the U of U in, um, Salt Lake. And so, uh, I wasn't 18 yet. So my parents way of saying you can move out was fine, but you have to go somewhere either here in the city where we live, or, um, if you really have to move away, you can go live where your brother can keep an eye on you. And so, um, my brother and I were pretty close. So I moved over there and had a bunch of roommates that were friends with his uh, then girlfriend, now wife. Um, and that worked out almost a year. And I realized that I absolutely hate Salt Lake. <laughs> it is not my kind of place to be. I didn't like the city. Um, I loved the outdoor aspect. I loved being able to go snowboarding like 15 minutes from my house and hiking and oh that was that was the best I absolutely love that I hated the city it just was not for me so I moved back here and um when I was 18 I accidentally got pregnant so it kind of changed everything I um halted my plans to go to college and um just sort of focused on having a kid so I ended up uh going to school for about a year online after my son was born and um, just tried to get a bunch of the prereqs out of the way and started a couple business courses. Um, and it was just too much, working full-time, having a full-time baby, too much. So, um, and I lived with my parents, so I had their help, which was nice, but it was, it was too much. So I put school on hold and I just worked. And um, my husband now, uh, him and I started dating when my son was three months old. So we were friends um, for about a year before that. We worked together and I was friends with him and his sister. And so we did a lot of stuff together. And uh, when, well, let's see, we dated for five years. We got engaged for a year and then we got married when um, my son was six years old. And um, in, let's see, two years later, my husband was able to adopt him. Um, the state of Idaho has like almost unreachable different uh, specifications for parents to adopt. So, you know, for my husband to adopt him, he'd raised him since he was a baby, but for him to adopt him, I had to go through the whole adoption process as well. So I had to go through all the parenting classes. Um, I had to pay all the fees, all the fines. It was absolutely insane. It took years to get it done. Um, and then finally he adopted him. And, um, then a couple of years later we had our daughter and, um, you know, it's been, it's been crazy, <laughs> but it's been good. So it's, uh, it didn't, didn't work out for school for the longest time. And then, um, before I got married, let's see, 
2011, maybe 2012. I think it was 2011. Um, I started going to massage school. So I really wanted to be a sports massage therapist, which is what I wanted to do um, before when I graduated high school or when I got my GED. Um, I wanted to be a sports massage therapist, but I didn't want to do normal massage. I just wanted to work on uh, injuries on high um, elite athletes. So um, what I really wanted to do was be able to work with like an NFL team or NBA, something like that. And um, so I went to school, I got uh, an associate's degree for um, massage, specializing in sports massage. Um, I graduated in July, uh, maybe the 7th, something like that. Um, uh, in 2013. And then we got married in August, 2013. So it was a, a little bit of a crazy time, but, um, that's now mostly what I do for my day job about nine months out of the year is, uh, I work, um, with the Boise state athletic department here in Boise. Um, and I massage all the athletes. So doing exactly what I want to do. Um, and through that, I've been able to work with, uh, NFL athletes, uh, NBA athletes, um, uh, PGA, the golf athletes, um, all, all sorts of elite athletes. And then I stay mostly on the college NCAA uh, level. So it's really fun. I absolutely love it. I don't do a whole lot in the summer. So it gives me a little bit of freedom there. Um, and then just to kind of supplement that, since it's not a full-time job, I work at a physical therapy office. Um, I do front desk. I do a lot of um, normal front desk stuff, check-in, check-out appointments, and then um, a lot of insurance authorization claims, all that insanely awesome stuff. <laughs> so very entertaining, but I only do that. Hey, I need you to be quiet, okay? You can play, but you have to use your whisper voice. Here, let me hold it. So I do that about three days a week, and um, Boise State is usually about one day a week, sometimes uh, a couple days, but uh, overall pretty manageable. For the most part, I get about four full days off to be home with the kids, and it's, it's a great balance. I get to be a grown-up and uh, a mom all at the same time. It works really well. Yeah, it sounds like a really nice balance to have. Um, I've... I've joked because I'm uh, in physical therapy right now for my right arm. I basically have tennis elbow from doing all the carving. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> I joked with her. I said, I think woodworkers should go into ice baths right after, right after working in the shop, just like all these elite athletes. Oh, oh yeah. Games. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, um, a lot of my woodworking I do either during nap time or um, really late at night when everybody's gone to bed. And uh, some nights, you know, I come in at like one or two in the morning and my body is just so trashed. And I've only been out there for like three hours, but I feel like I had a full body workout and it's, it's so much fun, but it is so much physical work. Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize, you know, it, it might not look like much, but it is. It's a lot. There's a lot there. <laughs> there is. Exactly. Um, so is that the main kind of making you do is, is woodworking? 
Yeah. So, um, I've done little projects in the past that are not woodworking. Um, I can sew when needed. I hate <laughs> sewing. <laughs> it is the worst. Um, my son had a, he had one of those beds that it was like a bunk bed, but it only had a bed on the top. So the bottom part, you could have a desk or whatever underneath. Mm -hmm. And he was so into Batman that he used to pretend it was his bat cave. So I, um, bought, like flat sheets at the store and um, literally made him the bat cave complete with bat cave shaped windows and a garage door that opened and um, it took me all night long <laughs> it was it was absolutely ridiculous but uh, he loved it it was his favorite thing he played with that until um, he finally grew out of the bed and uh, it was it was awesome so that's like my only real project outside of woodworking that I think actually turned out. Um, so I, I try to stay within my, my scope of practice. Uh, as far as making, I mean, are you mainly making things like just for your own home, your own space? Um, or do you make things for other people? Yeah. So, um, yes. And, and yes, uh, I do a lot of stuff either, um, a lot of one-offs, like somebody wants one thing, um, or I want one thing, or I just want to experiment and see if I can do it, um, or practice joinery or whatever. And so uh, a lot of my projects are just the one. Um, but every once in a while, just to kind of supplement income or, um, you know, if I want to do a specific project and I just don't have the funds for it, I make... Um, either signs or decor or I take old windows and um, you know put window boxes on them or uh, I'll take um, wood and you know create the silhouette of something and put it into the window and um, sell those so my my biggest seller is I cut out the shape of Idaho and just write home on it and the O is a heart and usually those sell out before I can even finish making them so if I really want to fund a project, um, that's for sure what I do. Or if I want a new tool or something like that, then I'll just make a ton. I do a lot of the um, flags, like the blue line flags and um, custom signs. So I try to make it as, as um, you know, to whatever the, the client wants. But if there's no specific client, I'm just making it to sell. Then I just make it kind of how I feel like making it that day. And try to not make any of them the same as the other. So it's definitely, um, it, it goes back and forth. I, I have, you know, months where it's just me, I just do what I want. And then months where all I'm doing is orders. So I try to balance it out as well as I can so that I still enjoy the hobby. And I think so far I've, I've done a pretty good job for the most part. <laughs> How, when you are trying to sell those pieces, you know, whether it's so you can do a project or get a new tool or whatever, like what, how do you sell them? Are you selling them via social media or do you work with like a local market place? So, um, hey, just a minute here, you can play with that. So I, I sell mostly either on, uh, Facebook or Craigslist. Okay, you have to be quiet if you want to be <laughs> Mostly Facebook or Craigslist, but um, occasionally if we have a, a local, um, you know, farmer's market or a vendor fair or something like that, I'll try and see if I can sell some of my stuff with another vendor. Um, 
I don't know what the vendor booth pricing is at other places, but a lot of the shows here, we don't have them as often as, as other places around the country. And so a lot of the shows here, um, you know, it's upwards of 150 to 200 bucks for a 10 by 10 booth, um, or even more. So it just kind of depends on what you're doing. And, uh, I don't always have enough stuff in stock to where I could have my own booth. So mm -hmm. I try to get in with another maker or um, at least get my business card out. We do a lot of car shows. My husband's family is really into that. So um, I make a lot of like classic car memorabilia type of stuff. And um, I do design posters for people too. And so I try to, oh, please don't do that. I try to bring different examples of those and just kind of display them with the car. That way, if somebody is interested, uh, you know, they can look at it and grab my mm -hmm. phone number and that works pretty good too. So a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, I think, I think it goes pretty well. Usually when I sell things, um, I've only had one time where I've really tried to sell something that I haven't been able to sell out of. So I've done pretty well. I've, I've looked at starting to sell some fancy uh, for... We're going to turn that off, okay? On Etsy or um, I even looked into the Amazon. Um, I don't remember what it's called. They just recently came out with it. The makers or something like yeah. that. So yeah. I looked into that, but I haven't pulled the trigger on any of those yet. I, um, I did my massage business full time for five years and really liked being my own boss and not having to pay a percentage of that to anybody. And so um, with making, I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to do the same thing and not have to pay a percentage to anyone. So I haven't quite done that yet. I think it's, it's totally fine to do that. It's just hasn't really been something I have moved forward with yet. Okay. Um, what does your, like, where are, what do you use for your shop space right now? So, um, I have, it's a, it's a, it's a, a technically a garage. Um, we, so in, when I lived in CUNA, um, I just used the third bay of the garage, which was more my husband's bay. So I would just store my stuff there and then work in the driveway. Uh, and then when we moved into Boise about three years ago, um, there was a little wood shop on the back side of our garage. And um, by little, I mean, I could almost touch both walls um, with my hands outstretched. It was really narrow and long. So it was really awkward. And the floor was only level up to the halfway point, And then it sloped pretty bad and the roof sloped with it. So I couldn't do anything longer than um, like an eight foot board and couldn't maneuver that around because it wasn't wide enough. So it was definitely um, super awkward. But now in the back of our yard, we have, uh, the previous owners had built a garage, but if, if you, like, if you had a, I'm trying to think of what would fit in there, <laughs> like a Geo Metro, <laughs> you could work on that in there. But if you had anything bigger, there's absolutely no way. I mean, you wouldn't even be able to, to move around it. So it's, it's a lot bigger than what I have now. It's more, um, it is more rectangle than square but it's it's pretty huge so I had got to build a whole new workbench um doing that and then I got a uh I had a friend um 
who's a contractor and he was able to take cabinets out of a hospital and replace them and they told him he could have the old cabinets and they were like um you are saying hi to be quiet okay they were like eight feet tall they were huge cabinets and then um they're probably three and a half feet deep um and then they're about probably five feet wide so they're really massive really heavy really heavy duty um pretty pretty crazy cabinets so one of them i took the doors off the front and i turned it out at the side and hung it on the wall hey you have to be quiet sweetheart and on the inside of all the cabinets is um was pegboard so mm. it was kind of cool it was like pre-set up for me i didn't really have to do anything okay i will help you so i um set up one of the cabinets so that it's on my wall and it doesn't have doors on it and i've got it where all my tools are hung on there and then i have one cabinet upright um and it's uh it's just it's just shelves and pegboard so it just holds all my clamps and all of my other random crap and all the tools that i don't want out um that i don't use regularly and then i have this whole big wall of just shelves for my wood and um then i have a bunch of other space for everything else so it's really really amazing i've been able to make um things without bumping into myself and everything else so i moved in july out to that wood shop and um let's see in i think it was the beginning of september uh i just randomly lost power to my shop and we couldn't figure out why and uh, my husband determined that it was something in the cable that runs under the ground between the house and the shop and there's roughly about 130 feet of that. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it was it was uh, it was definitely something that got put on the back burner for a while. We had a couple trips planned and a whole bunch of other stuff. So um, we just sort of uh, left it as is for a couple of months, and then. Um, the uh, beginning of November, we finally got it fixed. We had to dig up the entire wire. And um, so we, well, we dug up about a hundred feet of it. We found two places where the wire had just completely melted and uh, got that replaced. And then um, I started using my shop. So technically I've had it since July. I've only had about three months usage out of it. So it still feels very new to me. I'm still getting used to where everything goes, but I absolutely love it. It's so it's so nice to have a big shop. It's so nice to have something that's, um, I feel like I can really make things in it. I don't feel like I'm being restricted. So that makes a huge difference. Hello friends. This week's sponsor is Wagner Spray Tech. And today I'm going to talk to you about their Furno heat guns. They're great for woodworking and resin projects like I like to do, but they're also great for uh, removing paint and flooring and bending plastic and thawing pipes and so much more. So there's over 101 uses for a Furno heat gun. There's multiple adjustable settings to suit any of your project needs. For instance, when I do a resin project, I really like to set my Furno 700 heat gun to about 400 degrees. That seems to be the perfect temperature for getting rid of those bubbles and blending resin perfectly together. 
Uh, there's three different guns. There's the Ferno 300, 500, and 700. The 300 is a dual temperature heat gun. The 500 has 12 temperature settings. And the 700, you can set uh, many different temperatures between 125 and 1300 degrees Fahrenheit in 10 degree increments. It's kind of the heavy duty option and it's the one I have and love. If you want to find out more about the Ferno heat guns, you can follow along with Wagner on social media. On Instagram, that is just at Wagner Spray Tech. And there you can click the link in their bio to find out so much more. All right. Again, a big thank you to Wagner and back to the show. Sorry. Come on. No, you're you. good. <clears throat> yeah, oh, having really enough space to move around is key. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what you can actually get done and what you can do when you have the space and not, not just the space like width wise, but being able to, you know, put boards upright and hold them and move them and maneuver them. With my other shop, I used to have to uh, figure out how I was going to either cut the wood down or put it in the right place all outside the shop and then bring it in the shop kind of horizontally and then try and figure it out from there. So it was, um, it was a pretty massive challenge <laughs> for the first couple of years. But now, I mean, it's crazy. I just, I just take boards in. It doesn't matter how long or how big they are. And I can do whatever I need to do. It's great. That is great. What are your uh, kind of go-to tools you use the most? Um, Definitely my tape measure, I think, is going to be the biggest tool. I, I'm, I'm not really a space case, but I kind of am. I just have that, like, short attention span. So I will measure something, and then two minutes later, I'll forget what it was, and I'll go back and remeasure it again. <laughs> and then I'll do that three or four times. Are you done? Okay, come on. And, um, okay. So it's not, it's not that I try not to remember it. It's just that I'm constantly reusing my measure or, or thinking, you know, I know I measured it was five, five sixteenths, but was it five sixteenths or was it something else? And so I'm always going back. So that's my big deal. I have, um, come here. I think I have six tape measures and <laughs> They're, uh, come here. They're mostly, so I have two little ones that are like, I think they go up to 12 feet maybe. Um, they're just, come over here, sweetie. Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> oh, you're okay. They're, um, just the little ones. And then, um, I have two bigger ones and then I have one that's kind of like a medium size. It's an odd, it's an odd one. It's like 16 feet. It's kind of weird. I've never seen one like that before. Um, and then my two bigger ones, I have 25 foot. And um, I, at all times, have at least two of them on me. So I am, my tape measure, I would probably die without it. Hey, you're fine now. So I'm pretty stuck to that. Um, aside from that, uh, a big challenge that I've had is my uh, miter saw that I bought, I bought used, it was a, a really old Ryobi back when they were blue. Um, miter saw that was a construction miter saw. So it had definitely 
been there and um, seen better days. And uh, I bought it for 80 bucks with a, a stand. And um, it wasn't till maybe a year after having it that I realized that I, um, all of my cuts were not square. They were just slightly off. And I kept thinking, well, you know, it's definitely not the saw. The saw is always on. And I did some research and realized the saw is not always on. So uh, since then, I have adjusted my saw quite a bit. It's almost on. It's like 89 degrees or 87 degrees, depending <laughs> on the day. Um, so that's definitely, I think, the next tool that I'll replace. I've had it the longest, but um, I use the crap out of it. So I have to work really hard at, at clamping before cutting. and um, But I use that one a lot. That one's... That one I think is going to be the most worth investing in, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yep. Um, the next one that I get will definitely be a, a, a nicer higher end saw. Um, it worked great for the longest time, but now it's done. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We'll replace it soon. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um. Besides the miter saw, what else is at the top of your list for something you want to get? Um, actually, something I'm really excited about. So uh, I am trying so hard to remember which maker it was that recommended this tool brand to me. Um, but Capro Tools, have you heard of them? Mm -mm. So they just do a lot of like everything that you could use for woodworking, construction, anything like that. So my um, most favorite tool is they have a magnetic combination square. So instead of having to, um, you know, turn the little knob to tighten it down, it's magnetic. And um, the first time that I saw it, I was like, yeah, so it's not really going to hold the measurement. Like if you bump it just right, <laughs> this thing is so solid. Like it, it holds the measurement. And when you want to change the measurement, you literally have to give it some force. Like it is super strong and um, it's really accurate. So that's one of my favorite ones. And um, they just came out with a new, they call it a legit square. So it's just your basic 90 degree square, um, but it has this little tab that pops out so that it will set on the ledge of a piece of wood by itself. You don't have to hold it on there. It just sets right on the ledge. Um, and then it has uh, all the little marking holes for the different measurements so you could run a straight line across. So I'm really excited about that one. I, um, I just ordered it this morning, actually. So those, those are highly used for me. Um, the combination square uh, and then just a, a standard square. Mm -hmm. I just getting that, that miter saw initially and finding out that things weren't square um, I wouldn't say it was devastating, but it changed every project so that instead of it being a quick cut, um, everything took so much more time. Just, you know, a simple, a simple cutting five pieces of wood instead of it taking like three or four minutes would take 15 to 20. So having those tools around made a huge difference because I could start really trying to make things a lot more square than they were. And, um, now, even though I have, um, you know, I have a table saw that's like 89.9 or 90 on, mm -hmm. you know, a bad day as far as the square goes on the saw. I mean, it's, it's perfect and dead on. 
Um, and then I have some other tools that are just dialed in right. I still use those squares like crazy. So those, I don't think I'd get very far without those. <laughs> those are pretty important, but I really do like the Capro brand. Um, I feel like they're a little bit of an underdog. A lot of people either haven't heard of them or um, the people who have heard of them, it's you know more like, oh, I, I think I've heard of that brand before, but not a lot of people have their tools and um, they, they're awesome. I, I've, I've got some, uh, woodpeckers tools and, you know, Capro is, is dead on with the woodpeckers. So I'm, I'm very impressed. Their price point is fantastic. I mean, that combination square was like the magnetic one, um, was like 15 bucks or something like that. It was, it was so cheap. Mm -hmm. So, um, definitely impressed. So I've, I've have to check that out. Yeah. Capro tools. It's, it's, it's with a K okay. and um, I've definitely started replacing a lot of my tools with the tools that they have and they're coming out with new stuff. I feel like every day it's, it's insane what new things they, they drum up, but definitely impressed. They do a really good job. Some of their tool instruction videos, um, you feel a little bit like uh, watching a boring infomercial at one in the morning, <laughs> but the tools themselves are fantastic. So okay. I've, uh, I've, I've definitely been impressed, but those are my go-tos. I always have them in my bag. Um, well, and a pencil, I mm -hmm. guess. I don't know if that counts, but, um, always have them in my bag. I don't do any project without them. So, you know, I, I pretty much, I don't think I could do woodworking without any of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what's been the most challenging project you've worked on? So um, when I think it was right before my daughter was born, uh, I have a friend who wanted one of those big farmhouse tables and she wanted one that was like eight feet long um, and a little bit wider than your standard table. And she wanted it as her outdoor patio. And then she wanted two matching benches. Um, and at the time, her son, I don't remember how old he was. I think he was eight, maybe, um, had just recently been diagnosed with leukemia. So they were going through a lot as a family. And so I was like, oh my gosh, if I could make this, you know, they can have this table to go and do all these outdoor family activities. And he was having days where he couldn't even get outside. So I was like, this would be so awesome for him and for them. And, you know, they're just a, an amazing family anyways. And um, so I started getting the plans together. Uh, I had my daughter. And then um, maybe like a month after I had her, I immediately got started on working on it. And um, everything was going great. There was no issues. Uh, it, was, it was just your standard, um, I wanna say, sh it was either Anna White or Shanty to Chic design. So, um, you know, they have the two, the two angled pieces that come in and then the base with the legs and, you know, super simple. And, um, I got the base made, I got, uh, the benches made, everything was great. And I got the top together and the pieces for the top were totally straight and square. I worked really hard on digging through piles to get those, but she just wanted standard lumber. Her budget was not huge. Um, so I was trying really hard to get the best quality that I could. And, um, she wanted, uh, an edge framing all the way around, but she wanted it to be sturdy that her kids weren't going to break it. Cause she has three boys. And so I decided to go with a two by four size versus something smaller and 
everything that I did, once I got the edge on there, the table was twisted like this. It was so awful. It was such a nightmare. So I spent maybe the better part of two days trying to fix this tabletop, taking it apart, putting it back together, taking it apart, putting it back together. Um, I even, uh, my husband helped me put these uh, leveling legs on the bottom, which we had intentionally meant to do um, in the beginning because it's an outdoor table. It's in Idaho. We get weather. She didn't want it to sit on the ground. She wanted it to sit above, you know, snow or standing water or whatever. And so we got these, these little uh, levelers on there with these rubber feet and tried to see if we can, we could get the top to at least be level and then settle that way. And, um, even with settling it, there was still a little bit of a twist and it was the biggest nightmare. I, um, was having a lot of like post pregnancy hormonal <laughs> craziness going on. So, um, you know, for lack of a better word, I was, I was batshit crazy. I was just out of my mind. And, um, there was one day that my husband came over and, um, you know, he said, it's still really twisted. I don't think you can give it to her like that. And I just lost it. <laughs> and I was like, I can't do it anymore. And I hate this table. And I remember throwing a piece of wood across the yard and just be like, ah! and just, I don't know what my neighbors thought of us because we had only lived here for like six months at the time, but I'm sure they were probably terrified. And, um, it was, it was not my best day. So in, in the end, it was almost completely worked out um, between just maneuvering things with the base and with the top and getting it to where the frame would actually set and, and not twist the top of the table. Um, so I learned a lot on that project. I also learned that um, oil-based poly will yellow versus uh, a, an acrylic poly doesn't yellow. So the table yellowed, the benches did not because after the table yellowed, I moved to an acrylic poly um, and I keep telling her I'm going to come over and I'm going to sand it down and I'm going to redo it so that it doesn't yellow. Cause she had kind of an off white, um, color to the table and she keeps telling me, Oh, it's fine. It's not a big deal. And we actually think we're going to paint it to match the house sometime soon. And I keep telling her just, you know, I'm so sorry, <laughs> let me fix it. But she loved it. She was so happy with it. I mean, she couldn't have been any more happy and her family loved it and they've had it, you know. I guess it's been two and a half years now. So they've absolutely loved it. It turned out great. Everything was good in the end, but at the time um, I seriously wanted to just light it on fire. I was so mad. I was just so done with it. And, you know, I had spent so much time researching how to make sure to put a frame on a tabletop without having it twist. And then it still twisted. And, um, you know, it was so dumb. It was one of those, like, I did everything I could and it still happened. And I just couldn't comprehend why. And I think a lot of that was just that mommy brain and that fog that you're in after you have a kid. And I probably should have waited a couple of months, <laughs> but I was so antsy to just get out and build that I just got it done. And that's, that has to date been the hardest build. Um, I've had so many other ones that have gone wrong that I've had to fix things and uh, nowhere near as hard as that one. Not at all. I, I say the only difference between a beginner woodworker and like an experienced woodworker is that the experienced woodworker is just better at hiding the mistakes. That than is a beginner so woodworker. true. <laughs> yes. um, 
because there's no so there's no project that goes perfectly well ever no. And I think if it does, then you better go buy a lottery ticket like that day because <laughs> it is pure luck if it went like perfectly well. I, so my, um, I just made a huge sign for my mom. Um, so for my dad, for his retirement, I made him a chess table that's um, also an end table and it's got a hidden compartment for all the chess pieces. So that was his retirement gift for me. And then for my mom, when they moved up to their house, they kind of live on, on a corner. And so um, it's really easy to miss their house since they're literally in the forest. Um, so she went online and ordered this sign that said, uh, Wilcox's Huckleberry Haven. They live on Huckleberry Street. So she ordered the sign. She was like, it's going to be huge. Everybody's going to be able to see the house. You're never going to miss it. And the sign literally was like this big. And so she sent a picture of it posted on this post and the post is just a four by four. It is almost wider than the sign. It's so <laughs> tiny. And so it was the biggest joke for the longest time. Like, Oh, what, what does the sign say? And so I told her, well, I'll make you a new sign. This will be your retirement gift too. And so I just finished that, um, not too long ago. And it's, um, it's like 30 inches by 27 inches and it's made out of barnwood and it's huge. And it's got um, Wilcox's Huckleberry Haven scrolled and then glued onto it with the letters. And um, it was one of my first like legit scrolling type of projects. And um, the word Huckleberry is 26 inches long. And the letters are like at the thickest point, they were like a half inch wide. So it's really long. I made it out of... Um, uh, pressed plywood and it broke in like seven different places. And I just, just so thinking like, this is, this is definitely gonna have to be redone. There's no way I can fix this. And, um, just took some CA glue, put it all back together. And after I sanded it and painted it, you could not tell where any of the breaks were. And I just was like, there's no way anybody's going to be able to, you know, see through my, my cover up. And um, so I had my husband look at it. I had a couple of friends look at it and they were like, where did it break? Was there a break on the end or what? And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. How have I pulled this off? There's absolutely no way. And it, it's still, you, you would never know. It looks great. And for how many pieces it broke into, I just was like, this is, this is insane. So that's the difference between me now and, you know, me five years ago when I started really going on the woodworking and mm -hmm. I covered it up, I guess. Yep. If glue can't fix it, then it's really broke, right? Just no duct tape. Lots and lots of duct tape. <laughs> but when oh. I was a kid, um, my brothers were both scouts, but they were, we were the kind of kids like, yeah, if we got hurt, we were going to go cry to mom. But, you know, if there was blood and it was something we weren't supposed to be doing, we were going to hide it. And so um, our biggest thing was super glue and duct tape. We used the crap out of that forever for everything if we got hurt if you know somebody was bleeding if we broke something super glue and duct, duct tape like there was no need for stitches just, well you, you know that's fix it with that. they basically do use super glue for stitches now so yeah we're just oh, ahead yeah. of the time that's I know. all it was <laughs> I know we just and we were tough you know you put that super glue on there and just do the whole like <laughs> you've got this <laughs> Um, all right. So how do you manage? I mean, you've got, I mean, you know, pretty close to a full-time job and then 
you're a mom to two, one who's still pretty little, and uh, you also do woodworking. So how do you manage to do all of that at the same time without losing your mind? Um, well, you know, it's just, it's a perfect balance. Everybody gets all their perfect time and I have my perfect time and no, it's, it's, it's legitimate, crazy shit show over here a lot of the time, (laughs) but, um, I, obviously the kids come first, the family stuff comes first. Um, I am fortunate enough that with my massage job, I do have Um, a lot of leeway with how I choose the days and times that I work so I can fit it into my schedule very well that way. Um, It's usually evenings or weekends so my husband is home and um, that works really well and then um, you know my shop time is either nap time or after everybody goes to bed and um, I haven't had as much shop time lately just with the holidays and being sick and I hurt my back. So it's, it's been a little bit of a challenge, but it, it truly is my therapy. So I, I love running. Running is also one of those, like I can just, whatever's going on in my head, I can work it out. So I find time to do it. Um, but woodworking, you know, just, I think being able to do something with your hands and focus on one thing and let your mind just sort of go, not have to worry about, what's going to happen tomorrow with pickup after basketball or, you know, what's going to happen when you have to go to work and the kids have to go to daycare and you just don't have to worry about that. So it really gives me time to reset. So I try to make the time for it, even if it means I have to lose out on a little bit of sleep. Um, Getting my mind right and my mindset where it needs to be makes it so much easier to handle everything else. You know, all the challenges of being a mom uh, will never, ever be easy, (laughs) especially having two children so far apart, I feel like we're always going in opposite directions. But, um, you know, my husband's a really good support. And uh, it's, it's just, you know, having that time to just decompress and just not be needed, not be touched, not be wanted. That's, that's huge for me to just have those little moments so that when I do need to be a mom, um, I can give them the attention that they need and not have to worry about Oh, I gotta be over here and do this, and it, it just makes it easier. It's it doesn't make it easier, but it makes it easier. <laughs> I hope that yeah. makes sense. No, it makes sense. I don't know how long of a break um, your oldest was off school for, but my two just went back to school today. Yeah, and yesterday, I'm... yesterday I pretty much it was I had reached the breaking point. My <laughs> my oldest, my son was like wanting to be glued to me and I was like I I really truly just need five minutes with no one touching me can we please have five minutes with no one touching me oh yeah yeah, it didn't it didn't happen you know I tried (laughs) I totally feel yeah it's my son had two weeks off and um today he went back to school and I think he was ready to go back to school. It was one of the few times where he was like I'm out we'll see you later he even left early for the bus this morning but I, um, I, so I got food poisoning on uh, New Year's Eve and I was sick all night and halfway through the next day. And then I slept until Friday evening and then slept a good chunk on Saturday. And so I feel like the second week of break uh, almost didn't exist. So he didn't drive me crazy as much as, as he normally does during break. Um, 
it was nice. Like all day yesterday, the two kids played together. I mean, they danced and they played that ball. Was, that was like my two as well. Like from like 3 p.m. on, I was like, where have these two been for the last two weeks of break? You wait till the last day to like actually like each other and play well together. I Doesn't don't that get it. Do you think like what happened? Yes. Something, did they do something? <laughs> yeah, it, that's exactly how it was. And, um, you know, they, she is, uh, my daughter is a huge bossy little baby. I mean, she, if I say something to my son, like, Hey, you need to go, um, you know, clean out the litter box and then you need to go and get ready for bed. She'll be like, go, go to bed right now. It's like, no, don't boss him around. That's my job. And then he'll walk away and she'll go, good. (laughs) Snarky little butt. But you know, then there's times where he does the same thing to her. So Mm -hmm. it evens out. But for whatever reason yesterday, like, stars aligned there was some sort of music playing and (laughs) angels came down and just the two of them were best friends and oh my gosh it was so cute my husband and I were both like totally shocked so it was whatever whatever was in the air must have been in there at your house too because it was like a perfect day it was awesome I think I think the kids I don't know if my son just realized that he wasn't going to see her very much going back to school and all of a sudden he was like oh you know this this kid's okay I guess I'll hang out but they were like best friends they even played dolls together that's for him that's that's a stretch yeah it's pretty (laughs) awesome what would you say is your favorite part about being a mom um so I think my favorite part is also my least liked part (laughs) and it's just having these little tiny humans that want to do everything that you want to do and it's not just like they want to go to the store with you and they want to build with you but they want to do what you do I mean for the longest time my son um, wanted to be a mechanic my husband's a mechanic and so everything he would work on his his hot wheels he would work on everything. And he's, he's kind of starting now to figure out like, oh, well, I could do engineering stuff with mechanics and, um, you know, but still he's exactly like my husband and they fight all the time. And I think that's the main idea is, is just, they're so alike that it's hard for them, you know, to do things. But that's what I love the most is just, they want to do everything you want to do. And it just makes me feel good. It makes me make better choices you know, like I, if, if they're going to want to do it, I want to do something they want to do. And, um, you know, there was a time in my life where I never, ever wanted to have kids ever. Um, I had, I had friends with kids and I had nieces and nephews and, uh, that was not my game at all. I knew for a fact, I did not want kids, but as soon as I had my son, all of a sudden it was like, Oh, well, you know, maybe I could, I could come to like this type of thing. And now if, if I didn't have these two around, I would be so bored. I would have no idea what to do with my life, but you know, that's what I love the most. I just, I love watching them grow and being able to teach them things and, and know that they want to do what I do. And uh, they're just at the same time, that is the most frustrating thing ever. Have you ever tried to make cookies with a two-year-old who wants to pour the flour in 
like a, a cup of flour and you only get a third of the cup in the bowl. Right. You know, it's the most frustrating <laughs> thing, but at the same time, it's so great. You, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing else in the world where you get that opportunity. So it's, it's pretty neat. That's mm-hmm. what I like and hate all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand that emotion right there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Desiree, we've come to the end of our time together. So I'm going to ask, how can people find you on all of the interwebs so they can follow along with you? So I, um, I am so lame. I just have Instagram. And it's um, at Harvester Woodworks. And um, I just barely started a YouTube channel. There is nothing on it. But (laughs) that's my next venture is I love making videos of the things that I make. I like kind of making a funny twist on it. And so um, that's my goal for this year is to just make more videos. Not necessarily this is how you do it. But hey, this is the process. And this is me being a total weirdo during it. Um, so I, I would say stay tuned, but don't hold your breath. (laughs) There'll be a video. I just don't know when I'll get the first video, but I definitely want to, to branch out to that. So I do have a channel called Harvester Woodworks. Um, it's just not worth looking at yet, (laughs) but that's it. That's, that's all I have. I don't have, um, I've, my niece just showed me TikTok. She thinks it's amazing. And I know I've seen a lot of people with their TikTok videos. So I might move into that category, but it's just one more thing. So for now, just Instagram. Okay. Well, I will make sure that I have links. Uh, I will even probably include a link of your YouTube channel. So when that first video goes out, people can catch it. Um, But yeah, I'll put that link in the uh, show notes so people can follow along with you. And Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, I, like I said before, I wasn't sure anybody would find me interesting, but you know, if somebody gets something out of it, then this was a total success. <laughs> it's, it's just really fun to chat with you. I've been following you and, um, and the podcast page for quite a while. And, you know, it's, it's fun to listen to that, but to be able to talk to you and that's pretty cool. I like that. So I'm really glad that you uh, chose me to come and be on one of your episodes. That's really neat. Well, awesome. I'm glad you feel that way and glad. Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> and then that will put a plug in there too, that, you know, any other maker moms out there, uh, can feel free to reach out to me as well, uh, saying you want to be on the podcast. Cause, um, I'm not picky. I don't have like a requirement of, you know, so many followers or anything like that. It's if you make stuff and you're a mom, then you're in. So, um, that's pretty legit. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty legit. (laughs) Um, So yeah, thanks so much and, uh, have a good rest of your Monday. It's Monday, right? I'm so, this break has me so off on like what day of the week it is. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, yeah. All right. Well, thank well, you for one. having me on. Have a good day. You too. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Again, that was Desiree with Harvester Woodworks. And I will include links on how you can follow along with her in the show notes, including a link to that YouTube page that she's started, but no videos on yet. Uh, so let's hope that we can see a video from her soon uh, for one of her new projects.
And if you are interested in seeing how you can follow along with all the other Maker Moms, including Desiree, make sure you're following along with the Maker Mom podcast on Instagram. That's just at Maker Mom podcast. Hit the link in the bio and you can get to the show notes there to this episode and all the past episodes. Also, if you really enjoy the podcast, make sure that you are subscribed, that you're telling your friends about it, uh, and leave a stellar review if you can. And uh, one last thing, you love the podcast and you want to keep seeing it come back week after week, make sure you also check out the Maker Mom podcast over on Patreon. Become a patron, get some extra goodies too on top of it. And uh, as always, thank you so very much to all of the patrons uh, already over there on Patreon. I really, truly appreciate you. I hope you all enjoyed your little Christmas gifts this year. And uh, yeah. Thanks for your continued support, and thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast every week. Make sure you share about it, and uh, have a fabulous Friday and fantastic weekend. Hope you get into the shop and making, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know.